Hello, and welcome to The Shining Light, where we are shining the light of the gospel and speaking the truth in love, providing strength, and stirring the hearts of our listeners. We are so glad to have you joining us today as you listen to this message from Pastor Tim Cruz. Deuteronomy chapter number 30 and verse 19. Deuteronomy 30 and verse 19. I want us to read it aloud together. And so find your place here. And let's read this verse of scripture. I call heaven and earth to record this day against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both thou and thy seed may live. Thank you. you may be seated. Choose life. There's a choice. And God has set before us both ways. The path that leads to destruction, the path that leads to life. We know that that path of life is paved with the righteousness and the blood of Jesus Christ, our Savior. For by grace are you saved through faith. As I think about this, I think about the opportunity that Rebecca and I had to be in Israel recently, and uh, we were just there in the old city of Jerusalem, and the next thing you know, there's this amazing celebration going on. We're in uh, the town square. It's where the solid gold menorah is encased, if you've been there, and uh, right across from that is a place called the Holy Cafe, and there was singing and laughter and celebration going on, and I thought I'd just share a clip of that with you. Now this went on for how long? A long time. (laughs) It was on and on and on. How many of you have ever heard of a bar mitzvah? You've ever heard of that? That's what this was. When a Jewish boy has reached the age of 13, is regarded ready to observe religious precepts and eligible to take part in public worship. I think it's interesting. One thing about the devout Jewish people in the Old Testament is they regarded children as a gift, a blessing, a reward from God. And so life with their children and for their children was one to be celebrated. I mean, the music went on and on and on, and they celebrated, and we ate lunch there, and I've got some other clips and things, and I thought, wow, they're so happy that God blessed their family with this young man. Are you happy that God has blessed you with children? How many of us are happy about grandchildren. We are so blessed, are we not? God has been so good. We ought to celebrate the lives of these precious little ones. My heart grieves for the 63 million plus little ones whose lives have been taken since 1973. But I thank God as I mentioned, that we are in the generation of life. Roe versus Wade has been overturned. 
and we thank God for that. The Texas Right to Life declared that as many as 50,000 unborn babies were, quote, saved in the state of Texas since September. Official reports show that there were only three abortions reported in Texas in August of 2022. Isn't that amazing? The effects of this decision as it just reverberates across our great land. Just as the devout Jewish people treasured their children and showed God's love to them, we must demonstrate the heart of God to our children and other children as well. You say, Pastor, what does the Bible say about the personhood of the unborn? Why should we be a voice for the voiceless and show God's heart for these children? Let's take our Bibles and turn back to the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 1, if you'll find your place there, Genesis chapter 1. This is a powerful passage of Scripture, and I hope you'll write this down. Number one, why should we demonstrate God's heart for children? Because all life comes from God, our Creator. The days of creation are given here in Genesis chapter 1. Light, the firmament, the dry ground and the plants, the sun, the moon, the stars, the birds and the sea creatures, and then the land animals, and then humans on the sixth day. Genesis 1.26, we read, And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. Let, us, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Let us, this is the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So God created man, in verse 27, in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. All life comes from God, our Creator. He made male and female. He's the designer of all things. We know the hour in which we live. I read where one wrote these words gender obsession has occurred numerous times in history, Greece and Rome and other places. It has been 100% a reliable indication that the society is about to collapse under its own excesses. And this is where we are. You leave God out, you get away from God, you become a God unto you, yourself, and you think we're going to reinvent everything. Let us make God after our own image. Let us put our stamp on what we think it should be. Let's rearrange it, let's rewrite it, let's redefine it. That's the hour in which we live and how we need revival, a fresh return to God through his word and that starts among his own people. That's you and that's me. Does God's word have authority not only in our lives but over our lives? Because God has made all things. I think about our country our declaration of independence. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created how? Equal. That they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights that among these are life, liberty, 
and the pursuit of happiness. You can't have liberty in the pursuit of happiness without life. These are rights that God gave us, not government. And if the government did not give them to us, the government has no right to take them from us. We have to understand it and see it in that light that God is the author and the giver of life. God is the one who created us, formed and fashioned us out of the dust of the ground and breathed into us the breath of life and we became a living soul. Ever living, never dying, eternal. We one day will leave this world, we will shed this temporary tabernacle, this fleshly tent, as Paul calls it in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to lay it down and we're going to move out of it. We're going to move into eternity with God in heaven or separated from God in hell. We are eternal beings, living souls. God wants us to see this and understand it, that you can leave God out all you want. You can act like it doesn't matter all you want, but it does matter. There is a God in heaven who has made all things, and we're accountable and responsible to him. I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to the New Testament book of Luke. Luke chapter 1. Turn here and let's look at this next thought. Not only should we demonstrate the heart of God for children because he is our creator and all life comes from him, but number two, because all life begins at conception. All life begins at conception. We believe that, right? Do you believe that? The Bible teaches that, the personhood of the unborn. And the Bible speaks here in Luke chapter 1 and verse 40 about Mary's visit to Elizabeth. In verse 41 we read, And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. John the Baptist, think about that. This babe leaped, leapt in her womb. It heard these words. Think about this. These words of the coming Christ, the Savior, of whom John the Baptist would be the forerunner. He would say, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. And this babe leaped in her womb. Babies are human beings in the mother's womb. They're persons, they're individuals created by God. And God wants us to see this in his word. Turn with me back to the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 1 is a noted verse that you need to make sure that you've marked in your Bible. Jeremiah chapter 1, and uh, this is a verse that God used to speak to me as a young preacher. It says in verse 5, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. And I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. God says, I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were ever born, I had already determined what your purpose in life would be. You were not just some 
one, some blob of flesh with potential for life. You were a life with great potential. That's who you were in your mother's womb. Think about that. And I called you unto myself. I called you to preach. I called you to be my prophet, my spokesman. From your mother's womb. That should be the safest place in all of America. The mother's womb. There are more protections in certain places for bald eagles in their eggs than there are for children in their mother's womb. May God help us. When you get away from God, you get away from everything that is good and godly and valuable and valued, and that's life itself. You talk about a culture of life. We recently had a vote in our House of Representatives. Listen, this is America. And every progressive, every liberal could not bring himself or herself to vote that if a child survives an abortion attempt and they're still living outside of the mother's womb, doctors and nurses should do everything they can to help that little life. They couldn't even vote for that. That's a culture of death. That's a shame and disgrace. You talk about the Old Testament false gods, Baal, Ashtaroth, and all these others. Remember, Chemosh was a god that they would offer up their children as sacrifices. Are we not doing that in modern day America? Our children are expendable. Our children are sacrifices We shed their blood and think nothing of it, but God said that he would not hold us guiltless if their blood is on our hands. Remember Pilate, he just said, I'm going to wash myself of this, but he couldn't. There are certain things that you cannot remove your guilt for. I can tell you this. Now, if you've gone down that path, God knows where you're at. He knows where you've been. But I can tell you, though you can't cleanse yourself, there's a God in heaven who can. He forgives all sin. He said, Pastor, this is long ago. Pastor, this is something that I've carried. God knows that. And God is merciful to you. Learn from that. Have a heart to help others. To be there for them. You say, no one was there for me. I was so afraid. I want to tell you, that's where the church of the living God needs to show compassion to hurting people. That's why we need to be a voice in this community for the goodness of God, the grace of God. We love life. We love all people, not just those who are yet to be introduced to this world, but those who are already here. We love and value them and we want to help them in every way and come alongside of them and point them to the Lord who can provide that cleansing that we all so desperately need and want. Look in Isaiah chapter 49 in verse 5. I want you to see this. 
I want you to make sure you have these verses. You say, well, I have loved ones. I have co-workers. I have classmates that, that just aren't sure about this matter. Isaiah 49 and verse 5, the Bible says, And now saith the Lord that formed me from the womb to be his servant. Do you see that? From the womb. God's word declares throughout. It's woven in its pages the personhood of the unborn. Location does not change the reality that there is a new life that began at conception and must be valued up to and through birth, which is simply a change of location. And then throughout life, life begins at fertilization. No new genetic information is added after this stage, Ken Ham says. We are 100% human, made in the image of God right from fertilization. Abortion at any stage is the killing of a human being made in the image of God. One stated, it is not a life when you have to depend on someone to sustain life. The embryo is not fully developed to have a life. Even when it becomes a fetus, it can be very hard to sustain life on its own, to which another answered. Hospital patients all over the world depend on others to sustain their lives. My son depends on me to sustain his life. Who gets to decide what stage of development is appropriate for murder? What about toddlers? They're still undeveloped and dependent. The only difference is location. Whether a child is inside the mother's room or outside the mother's room, there's often that understanding that many of us who are reasonable thinking people are willing to see. They're still dependent upon their parents, right? Ask Rebecca. I promise you, she knows how dependent these little ones are. Ten times over. They need someone to feed them or they will die, right? This matter of location. Medical science has discovered that a little light is emitted at the moment of conception. Isn't that amazing? The light of life. New meaning to this little light of mine. That's what these children are. Made in his image, his moral code stamped on their hearts and minds. This is why all of life should be precious from conception to the grave. We must establish a culture of life in our country. I'm glad that I had the opportunity to live. I'm glad that I have the opportunity to see God at work in my life. I was praying just this week, Lord, I'm just, the more I go, I just have so little time for frivolous things. I really want to impact other people's lives for eternity. So show me what I can do yet. And leading this church forward, giving opportunity, that is my main mission in this life, to give opportunity to our church family and others to serve, to be involved, to be a voice, to put things in place, to put things in motion so that we can share the gospel, shine the light, 
reach people and then train people, disciple them, teach them, and then involve them, include them in the Lord's work. That's what God has given me to do as pastor. But then I think, Lord, what else could I do on a more personal basis? As I go out and visit in the community and meet with people and visit in homes and pray with people and point people to the Lord through his word, Lord, what else can I do? And I've got some things that I'm praying about. What are you praying about that God would allow you to do yet with your life? With your, I want to tell you, it's going to come and go. I've read that oftentimes about Demas. Paul said, Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this what? This present world. Do you realize how long since it's been the past world for Demas? <laughs> I mean, it came and it went, and that's the way your life's going to be. We're going to look back one day and say, you know, I'm glad I serve the Lord and I let him help me along this journey. What are you going to say? I wish I had. I wish I had. Friend, as a pastor, you would be amazed at the tears of regret that I encounter. Life is so valuable, it's so precious. We don't value other people's lives sometimes because we don't truly value our own. Oh, I've been there to where it seems my life is meaningless. My life is headed nowhere. Uh, there's nothing to live for. There's nothing to look forward to. Even all oh, the troubles and the trials and the depths of discouragement and all oh, the howling winds of despair as they rustle through your heart and your mind and you're thinking, wow, what is this? Is this it? I tell you, don't leave God out. Don't leave God out of the equation of your present trial because God is the one who makes all the difference. God is the one who gives the meaning. God is the one who reminds us that he placed us in this world for a particular purpose. Oh, may the Lord draw us unto himself. Turn with me in your Bibles to Psalm 139. One of my favorite passages and I want you to turn there and I want you to see this. Why should we demonstrate the love of God for children? Number three, because all people have value and purpose. All people have value and purpose. We realize this. All of life comes from God, our creator. All of life begins at conception. And all of life, all people have value and purpose. So many young people are despairing today because they, they're taught there's no God. Hence, there's no real reason for you being here. You'll live and die just as the animals do, so why not live like them? And that's where many are. May God speak to us how important it is to have Christian homes, strong churches, strong education in every way to say, your life matters. You have value before Almighty God and you can make a positive contribution to this world. There's no true joy and fulfillment in taking, 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 taking. Pleasure and leisure has its limits and even wears on you after a while. That's why you understand that God created us to serve, to give, to not only discover our purpose, the reason he placed us here, but to delight in doing such. That's what God wants us to see.
Psalm 139, if you wonder if the Lord is far off and if he even knows who you are and where you are and what you need, what's going on in your life, read Psalm 139. He's omniscient. He knows all things, verses 1 through 7. He's omnipresent, verses 8 through 12. And he's omnipotent, verses 13 through 19. This is the great God in heaven who's ever-present, who knows all things and has all power. There's nothing our God cannot do. I think about what God wants us to see in this passage of Scripture. Look at verse 14. It says, I will praise thee for I am what? Fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. He says in verse 13, Thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. There it is. I think this is precious. I will praise thee for I am fearfully. That means to revere. God respects the life of his creatures. His created. We should respect the life that he's made and given. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. The word wonderfully means to distinguish. You're unique. Wonderfully made. God made me. You remember the junior high stage of life. You wanted to be someone you were not. You wanted to be that athlete or you wanted to be that one who had those looks or that one. You remember that? I mean, you'd stare at yourself sometimes in the mirror for the longest time. The color of your hair, your eyes, maybe the shape of your nose. I mean, you wanted to be someone else. You wanted to be like this one or that one. You just didn't like who you were. And that's a stage of life. And that's a phase we go through. And I trust God brings us to a place where we say, you know, I like who God made me. I look at my family. I looked around one day and I thought, hey, with all of our bumps and warts and all of our faults and our shortcomings, this is us. And I love us. There comes a time when you say, in essence, this is me. This is who God made me to be. Now, he's still working to make me into the image of Jesus Christ. When it comes to sin, I'm not talking about accepting that. Like, hey, this is my sin and it's okay. That's not the point. But in as much as God created you in his image, this is who he intended you to be. I remember... Telling my barber years ago, my dad's hair thinned when he was about 30 years old. It used to be so thick. And he said, your hair is so thick, it'll never thin. That's what he said. He did not tell the truth. I look at it sometimes on one hand it's turning gray and on the other hand it's turning loose. And I'm like, where is it going? Please don't leave me. Enough, I've already said goodbye. 
You ever have those conversations while you're combing what hair you have left? How many of you men know what I'm talking about? You ever been there? I need you, please, please. All right? And I think about that. But I remember saying as a younger man, hey, I, uh, I'm just going to, I'm interested to see what God created me to look like as I get older. I don't know if I quite still feel that way, but anyway, I said it with great uh, zeal back in the day. And yet I think about that. The Bible says, I am fearfully and wonderfully made, unique, distinguished. Marvelous are thy works. The thought there is a poem, a story that God is writing, thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret, and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance yet being unperfect, undeveloped. From the egg to the zygote to the embryo to the fetus to a fuller developed child to delivery. And in thy book, again, a writing, a story, all my members were written, which in continuance, the word continuance means from sunrise to sunset. My life story is ever unfolding from the beginning of life all the way through until the end of my life on this earth. God has that all figured out. He's writing the story of my life. All of these were fashioned as the clay is formed by the potter when as yet there was none of them. You read down into verse 16. Ephesians 2.11 says we are his workmanship. That means his portrait, his painting, his masterpiece. Wow. That would change your life, I trust. There's value upon me as a person by my creator, the God who made me and put me in this world. I'm going to celebrate this life. I'm going to rejoice in who he is and who I am in Christ and the life that I now live, I'm going to live it by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. There's a reason for me being there. I want to live that. I want to realize that. I don't want to miss that. I mean, what does the world have to offer? Oh, it's fun for a time, but then the pleasures of sin, they only last, what does the Bible say, for a season. Sin's season comes and it goes. And then it's like, wow, where do I go from here? I'm still here and I've been there, done that, tried the other, and it's, there's such an emptiness, a hollowness inside. And my prayer is that God will remind us of this great gift of life, not only for ourselves, but for our loved ones, and then for others in our community and beyond. We ought to demonstrate the love of God as we think about us parents and grandparents one who said, don't feel sorry for or fear for your children because of the world they're going to grow up in is not the one you grew up in. God created them and called them for the exact moment in this time that they're in. Their life wasn't a coincidence or an accident. Raise them up to know the power they walk in as children of God. Train them up in the authority of his word. Teach them to walk in faith knowing that God is in control. Empower them to know they can change the world. Don't teach them to be fearful and disheartened by the state of the world, but hopeful that they can do something about it. 
Every person in all of history has been placed in the time that they were in because of God's sovereign plan. He knew Daniel could handle the lion's den. David, Goliath, Esther, Haman, Peter, the persecution. He knows that your child can handle whatever challenge he or she will face in life. He created them specifically for it. Don't be scared for your children, but be honored that God chose you to parent the generation that is facing the biggest challenges of our lifetime. Rise up to the challenge. Raise Daniel's, David's, Esther's, and Peter's. God isn't scratching his head wondering what he's going to do with the mess of this world. He has an army he's raising up to drive back the darkness and make him known all over the earth. Don't let your fear steal the greatness of God placing your children. I know it's hard to imagine them as anything beside our sweet little babies. And we just want to protect them from anything that could ever be hard on them. But they were born for such a time as this. Would you raise your children with that in mind versus, oh, no, watch out, be careful. Oh, God, help us parents and grandparents to empower them, not to overly shelter them and weaken them or cause them to be afraid. You say, oh, no, what's going on in our world? Hey, don't stop there. There's a lot going on in our world. But greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Your God is greater, and he puts you here for a reason. Find God's purpose for your life by walking in the light you have, and he'll give you more light. And when you find that, delight in doing what God has given you to do. As a teenage young man, I had all kinds of things offered to me, drugs, alcohol, I mean, there are pills on our windowsill, marijuana there, just liquor in the refrigerator, packs of beer, oftentimes at the expense of food. And I looked at all that. And I thought, there's just no future in that. There's no future. And I thought, I believe God has me here for a reason. That steadied me in the hour of temptation. And it helped preserve me for the time when God would so work that he would not only save me, but he would call me to preach. I'm not better than anyone, but I did realize this. We all have a choice. You have a choice. Teach your children the power of, and the potential of choice. One of the great gifts that God has entrusted each of us with. May the Lord help us to value these children and demonstrate his love for them in word and in deed. That's why we want a strong Sunday school, a strong children's ministry, a fruitful, well-organized bus ministry so we can reach children oftentimes without someone pointing them to God in their lives. That's why we want to develop this youth camp. 
That's why we want to develop our children's home forward. That's why we're helping the Crisis Pregnancy Center. That's why we're involved in so many different things and want you to be involved because it's one thing to say it. It's another thing to show it. And I want to show God's love for children through my life and through the life and ministry of this church. And I invite you to be a part of that. How can we demonstrate God's love for children? I have a pastor friend who's starting many chapels in England. And you know how they're starting those chapels? They start with a children's Sunday school. And they're reaching the children. Then they're reaching adults. And now nine have been established. And they're on to others. Training preachers to put them in those chapels. I was there at Metropolitan Tabernacle. Peter Masters spoke that day in London. I'll never forget. A man met me on the stairwell to not only welcome me to the church, but to make sure I knew Christ as my Savior. They had their witnesses all throughout the congregation. You see a visitor, go introduce yourself, welcome them, but make sure they understand the gospel on the stairwell. And I said, yes, sir, I know the Lord. I'm a pastor from the States. And we talked, I sat in the balcony. They never used an instrument in the service. Interesting. We literally sung the Psalms themselves. And a solid Bible message was given. That afternoon, they had their afternoon Sunday school, ran their vans, we would be equivalent to our bus ministry, and brought over a thousand children in to give them the gospel. And I thought, that is the heart of our God. That is the heart of our God. To not just talk about the need of children, but to show them their worth and their value by reaching out to them and pointing them to the God who made them and values their lives. Thank you for listening to The Shining Light. We pray that this time has been a time of encouragement and blessing to you. The Shining Light is a production of Shining Light Baptist Church located at 2541 Old Charlotte Highway in Monroe, North Carolina. If you don't have a church home, we invite you to join us. Service times and more information can be found at our website, www.shininglightmonroe.com. You can also watch our services on Facebook and YouTube and connect with us on social media. Thank you for joining us, and God bless.